My name is Dennis Berger with Berger Farms in Shiner, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, for many Texas farmers and ranchers, this spring is a complete turnaround from last year. Of course, Texas is a big state and there are still a lot of dry spots around the state. However, many areas have gotten great spring rains and farmers are very optimistic about the upcoming season. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the cattle business, having more knowledge about your animals could translate into more money for you. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The latest from the Texas Legislature on landowner liability and landowner compensation bills. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have more from the state capitol on Texas Ag Today. What's national food security worth in terms of an expense for our federal government? I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. For many Texas farmers and ranchers, this spring is a complete turnaround from last spring thanks to some timely rains. South Texas farmer Russell Baining says it's a totally different spring this year on his farm. Compared to last year, it's night and day. There's no doubt about it. I mean, our farm, we're right south of San Antonio, on down to the coastal bend. Our corn is tasseling. In the last few weeks, we've had, in our part of the world, anywhere from four to six inches. It's been really, really great. And the coastal bend is pretty much in the same shape. Central Texas is in good shape. Some hail issues in Central Texas, but overall, much, much better than last year, or even the years before that. Of course, Texas is a very big state, and not everyone is seeing that drastic of a difference. But even some of the driest areas of the state have seen some rain this spring. Of course, much more is needed. Scientists have collaborated to produce the first gene-edited calf with resistance to bovine viral diarrhea virus, a virus that causes the U.S. cattle sector billions of dollars annually. BVD is one of the most significant viruses affecting the health and well-being of cattle worldwide, and researchers have been studying it since the 1940s when it was first recognized. The virus does not affect humans, but it's highly contagious among cattle and can cause severe respiratory and intestinal disease. 
Hessian fly has been a big problem in some Texas wheat fields over the last couple of years, and it's back again this year. Yeah, it it is an issue, Kerry. There's there's some problems with Hessian fly. Not as bad as last year, but there are fields where susceptible varieties are out there with the fertilization, particularly the black lands, with fertilization issues where wheat was really late. That's Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson. He says this year's Texas wheat crop is running a bit behind schedule, and that has allowed the Hessian fly to cause more trouble. If we would have been normal where we're going reproductive in early March on most of these plants and and being handed out by a lot of years and in mid-March to late March for sure, then we probably wouldn't have had as much problem because they just don't have as much effect on the crop yield. But since we're late getting headed in some case due to fertilization issues, we do have fields that have got a lot of uh, hessian fly in them. I don't think we've got anything that's a disaster where we're not going to cut a crop, but we do certainly have some damage out there. But I'm thinking maybe bad fields might have 20, 25% damage where we saw fields last year that were abandoned because of ashen fly. Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson. Having more knowledge about your cattle can translate into more money for you. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Many people only see what happens when they sell the calf. They get to that point where they'll sell the calf in one way or another off the ranch and really don't see the rest of their industry. That's Dr. Dan Hale of Texas A&M AgriLife, who was a presenter at the recent Hemp Hill County Beef Conference. Dr. Hale says one way that cattle raisers can get a better understanding of the industry and also market their animals more effectively is by occasionally retaining ownership of their animals all the way until the eventual sale to a packing plant. I think it's important for producers that have significant numbers of cattle to see what the progeny look like at some time. That will require some retained ownership, maybe not every year. But if you don't know how those cattle are turning out, both in their growth in the feed yard as well as in the packing plant, you're at a marketing disadvantage because you don't have information you can share with the feed yard and say, this is how my cattle turned out last time. And this is very likely how you're going to be able to manage those cattle more profitably and what they're going to turn out like when you actually sell them to the packer, which is the ultimate goal for those kind of cattle. Once again, that was Dr. Dan Hale with Texas A&M AgriLife. Now, while we're on the topic of marketing cattle, here's a note about an upcoming event. On Thursday, May 18th, USDA is holding a listening session to get producer feedback on the Cattle Contracts Library Pilot Program. That event will begin at 4 p.m. at the USDA Cattle and Carcass Training Center located on the campus of West Texas A&M University. Once again, the listening session on the Cattle Contracts Library Pilot Program is Thursday, May 18th at 4 p.m. Contact USDA for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Landowner liability and compensation bills are making their way through the Texas legislature. Tom Nicoletti goes to the state capitol for an update. My guest today is Blake Roach. He is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director in Austin, and we are talking about bills in the Texas legislature. Blake, there is House Bill 73 by Representative Andrew Murr of Junction. Tell us uh, where it stands and what it's addressing. HB 73 is a landowner 
liability uh, protection bill that protects landowners for damages that are caused as a result of actions from a trespasser or a source beyond their control. Ranchers, farmers, and landowners are currently subject to liability for damages that occur due to the actions of a trespasser entering their property without consent or permission. An HB 73 Senate sponsor is Senator Drew Springer out of Munster. And it has passed several hurdles. What are those? Yes, it passed the Texas House unanimously, 148 to 0, and has been voted out of the Senate State Affairs Committee. So the next step is for it to be brought before the Senate floor. A related similar bill is uh, SB 1133 that has passed the Senate. That uh, bill is by Senator uh, Cesar Blanco of El Paso. And the House sponsor for that bill is Representative Tracy King of Uvalde. So this legislation passed the Texas Senate 30 to 0 and passed the Texas House Committee. So the next step is for it to be placed on the House Calendars Committee for consideration. SB 1133 would establish a landowner compensation program to compensate landowners for damages that are caused due to border-related criminal activities and trespassing and applicants would be eligible to receive a reimbursement of up to $75,000 per incident. That is Blake Roach. He is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director in Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What is national food security worth in terms of an expense for the federal government? Gary Joyner takes a look. With all the budget talk in Washington, D.C. right now, it's easy to get lost in the numbers. Throw in ongoing House and Senate committee hearings on ideas for the new farm bill, and cost figures for the bill can get lost in translation. Here is what we should remember. Farm bill spending is projected to account for less than 2% of the entire federal budget. Broken down further, the farm safety net, which is commodity programs and crop insurance combined, is projected to account for for only two-tenths of 1% of federal spending. Is our nation's food security worth it? You bet it is. Is our national security worth the expense? Yes, without a doubt. Food security is national security. The Farm Bill impacts every family in America. It helps put food on tables across our great country. Few pieces of legislation are more significant than the Farm Bill when it comes to ensuring our food system is secure. It's a wise investment that Congress and America must make. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Red snapper season in federal waters opens soon. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And donkeys are generally healthy animals, but they can develop some diseases. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Donkeys, in general, are healthy animals, but Dr. Bob Judd says they can develop certain equine diseases. Donkeys can develop equine influenza, just like horses, and have similar clinical signs, including fever, nasal discharge, coughing, and depression. Dr. A.K. Thyman from the Donkey Sanctuary indicates in equine veterinary education that donkeys can typically have more serious disease due to influenza than horses, and the disease can end up leading to bronchopneumonia. Because of this, it is recommended to consider using antibiotics in donkeys with influenza to help prevent secondary infection. Herpes viruses like EHV-1 and EHV-4 that affect horses and some asinine herpes viruses can all infect donkeys and can lead to nasal discharge, fever, cough, severe depression, and even neurological disease consisting of ataxia and paresis. Although the equine herpes virus vaccines are not approved for donkeys, the vaccines are likely effective to some degree, although there is no vaccine for the neurological form of the disease and there is no vaccine available for the asinine herpes viruses. Donkeys can also develop strangles, just like horses, and can be more difficult to treat in severe cases due to the donkey's anatomy. Strangles vaccine is available for horses, and I routinely use it in donkeys, although it is not approved in this species. The vaccine can cause a reaction in horses, and it is recommended to test horses for a titer before vaccinating. Although this may be a good idea in horses, I do not believe that work has been done to validate this practice in donkeys. I do believe it's a good idea to vaccinate your donkeys for the same respiratory diseases for which you would vaccinate your horses, if they will be exposed to animals other than the ones on your farm. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Red snapper season in federal waters opens soon. Jessica Domo has the details in today's wildlife report. Grab your fishing license and get your fishing poles and tackle ready. Red snapper season in federal waters opens soon. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, red snapper season for private recreational anglers in federal waters, that's areas nine nautical miles off the coast or further, opens Thursday, June 1st. Red snapper season in state waters, that's areas up to nine nautical miles out, is open year-round. Bag and size limits are unchanged this year. In federal waters, licensed anglers can catch and keep up to two red snapper per person per day as long as the fish meet the 16-inch minimum length. In state waters, the bag limit is four red snapper per person per day. The minimum length is 15 inches. Anglers should be mindful of where they catch their red snapper as any snapper caught in federal waters count as part of their state bag limit. Again, the federal limit is two per person per day. State is four per person per day. This year, recreational and commercial anglers must remember to have a venting tool or descending device on their boat to be in compliance with the Federal Descend Act when fishing for reef fish in federal waters. Venting tools and descending devices are designed to reduce barrow trauma and discard mortality associated with bringing deeper dwelling fish up to the surface. Anglers who watch a training video on returnumright.org may apply for a free descending device. That's now required in federal waters. It will be required of snapper anglers in state waters starting September 1st. Again, the website to find one is returnemright.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Cattle, cotton, and wheat all made nice gains to wrap up the trading week on Friday. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Nice gains in the cattle complex to wrap up the trading week on Friday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle. June live cattle up $1.45, ending the week at $164.40. The August up $1.65 at $162.45. October live cattle up $1.60, $166.15. Same story on the feeder cattle market. May feeders up $1.35, 205.47. August feeders up 290, 228.97, with September feeder cattle up 267 at 231.97. Cash fed cattle market moved lower last week. We wrapped up the trading week selling cattle here in Texas at 170. That is two bucks lower compared to the previous week. Up north, dressed cattle sold for mostly 280. That's a buck lower compared to last week's averages. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice was up 73 cents, 306.45. Select up 16 at 284.74. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Brian Lentzman, Seguin Cattle Company. Brian, how was our Wednesday sale? It was light like we expected, uh, you know, with showers and everything around and more rain coming. People just, you know, whether you can get them out or say, heck, I'll let them get a little bigger now with the market. But uh, ended up with 308 head of cattle and I made the market just spot on for last week. Those two three weight steers, dollar seventy eight to two sixty two. Three to four weights, dollar seventy six to sixty. Four to five weights, dollar ninety six to sixty four. Five to six weights, dollar sixty to two thirty six. Six to seven weights, dollar fifty one to two oh nine. Seven to eight weights, dollar fifty to a dollar ninety two. Heifer mates, uh, two to three weights, dollar thirty nine to two oh two. Three to four weights, dollar seventy six to two forty. Four to five weights, dollar seventy one to two forty five. Five to six weights, dollar seventy seven to a two fourteen. Six to seven. Hundred pound heifers, dollar fifty eight two oh two. Uh, utility commercial cows up to ninety seven. Cutters ninety one. Catters up to eighty. Uh, had no palpated cows this week, but uh, has some pairs. They brought from a thousand seventy five to sixteen hundred. And uh, top end of the bulls bring a dollar twenty one. So nothing wrong with the cattle market and sheep and goats. Ended up with six hundred fifty one of those. Top end of the nannies two hundred fifty dollars with the kids up to three dollars. You get to those door pre use up to one hundred sixty five and still holding our own on them lambs up two forty two. Good, good. Do you know anything for next week? Uh, no. Everybody's just kind of sitting back, kind of seeing what the weather's going to do because they're saying we got a chance for good rain this weekend. And I hope I check we get it. We could use a little tank water. So, uh, you know, if everybody just cross your fingers and don't scare it off. I'll do it. Uh, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 
you can give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Texas Neighbor, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with me, Larry Marble. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. May hogs up two cents, 76.62. The June up 22 at 84.10. Class 3 milk was lower. May milk down two cents, 16.26 a hundredweight, while June milk dropped 31 cents, 16.60 a hundred. The cotton market finished higher on Friday, getting support from USDA's World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report released Friday morning. The report showed smaller than expected new crop cotton production and lower carryout. July cotton up 91 points, 80.53. The October up 72 at 80.87. New crop December cotton up 55 points at 80.15 cents. Not much movement in the corn market following that USDA report. In fact, old crop corn was higher, new crop was lower. July finishing four cents higher, 586 and a quarter, while September corn was down four and a quarter at 510 and three quarters. However, we did have a strong reaction in the wheat market following USDA's numbers. USDA estimating hard red winter wheat production at a lower than expected 514 million bushels. U.S. ending wheat stocks came in at 556 million bushels. That's the lowest in 16 years. That helped July Kansas City wheat to climb 35 and a half cents. It closed at 877 a bushel, while July Chicago wheat was up seven and three quarters at 635. In the energy markets, June natural gas up eight cents Friday at 227. June West Texas crude down 74, 70, 13 a barrel. The financial markets were slightly lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 65 points, 33,244. The NASDAQ down 65 at 12,263, while the S&P was down 14, 4,115. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.